You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. Uh, if you're here for the first time in 2012, we're doing a series on God has a better way. He said his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And there are times when we just get to a place where, God, I, I don't know what to do. I, have, I can't figure it out. Which way do I go? And uh, often it happens when we're in a, a valley in our life. We're in a season that's just... Things have come to a halt. We at the end of our rope. We don't know which way to turn. Things have gotten dark. We sometimes have even feel depressed, discouraged, fatigued, uh, bewildered, can't solve the problems. This happens in life, these valleys. It's, if you look at the landscape, you have hills and valleys, hills and valleys. Our lives have hills and valleys. As we walk through life, we're kind of either going in a valley, coming out of a valley, approaching one, or, but it's part of life. You go through those seasons. David, the psalmist, said he was going to walk through the valley, but he knew that a shepherd was with him. So much better to go through a valley and have a guide with you, have somebody to walk with you through a valley than to try to do it on your own. Uh, we need a shepherd to help us through the valley. So that's what we're talking about today, how to find our way through the valley. You might not be there today, or you might be in a valley today, but just know this. Uh, if you're not, store it up. Proverbs says, store up knowledge. So you just kind of file this in a way and say, yeah, I'm going to come back and remember this because uh, I'm in a place where I really need God to show me what to do, how to get through this. The bottom line of this message is this. If you want to distill it, it's this. The big idea is this. God will get you through hard times. He will show you how to get through it when you're facing a situation where you don't know what to do. A number of years ago, when the movie Ghostbusters came out, that was a few years ago, but when that movie came out, Rick Warren did a series called Stress Busters, and out of that, he talked about valleys, and I'm going to use some of his points, because he said, here's five characteristics of valleys, and I'll give those to you this morning. Number one is that valleys are inevitable. If you're taking notes, the word is inevitable. Basically, that means, like it or not, you're going to go through some valleys in life. Uh, there's really no way around it, and we may as well just know this and know that our God's going to be with us. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33, out of the Message Bible. I have told you all this so that trusting me, going back to our, one of our first messages, to, to, to know his ways means to trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be, look at this, unshakable, unshakable. There's something about even though you're going through a hard time, your faith is unshakable. You're assured, deeply at peace. Peace is an amazing strength. Remember, when God introduces his name Jehovah Shalom, God of peace, is introduced to Gideon when Gideon has to go fight a battle. Gideon is facing an army of 30,000 people. So what would you do if you faced an army of 30,000 people? Gideon does the obvious thing. He gets an army of 30,000 people. If you're going to play basketball, you like to play five on five. You get the team that matches. So he just said, oh, I'll get 30,000 people. And God says, what are you doing, Gideon? He says, well, I'm going to go fight. He says, you, how many men you got? 30,000. He says, I want to trim that down a bit. Gideon says, okay. To what? 300. 300. What's with that? I don't know if I could do that. And God says, you know what? 
I'm going to introduce my name, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You would have thought Gideon would have needed God the warrior or God the almighty or something like that, but it's the God the peace. Because if you have peace in a hard time, you'll have clarity of mind and you'll know which way to go. You know what fear does? Fear robs you of your sound mind. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. If you have peace and clarity and you're steadfast, you can find your way through a hard time. You will not be shipwrecked. You hear about that boat that got shipwrecked off the coast of Italy there? I don't know what that captain was doing. I'm not the judge. But somehow there wasn't clarity. He, the, he, he navigated in the wrong place. He didn't take the right way. And when we go through life, we have to have a guide help us navigate and peace Be led forth by peace. So important. And the Lord says here, deeply at peace. Then he goes on, John 16, 33. It's there in your notes. In this godless world, uh, that's true, right? Godless world. Just we look around and it's a godless world. He says, you will continue to experience difficulties. And you might be here this morning. Oh, you know, I I became a Christian. I thought my difficulties were over. No, no, you're going to continue to have difficulties. But take heart, exclamation mark. Take heart. I've conquered the world. Isn't it good to go with somebody who's conquered the valley? He says, take heart. I'm with you. You got the big guy on your side. You're going to have some challenges. But Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Jesus is not a hitchhiker. Ever picked up a hitchhiker and say, okay, you can let me off here now. I'm done. God's not a hitchhiker in your life. God comes onto your life, comes into your life, and he is with you when all the family leave, all the friends leave, when there's nobody else, he is with you. He said, I will never leave you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter how deep, how dark, how black, how desperate your valley is, you have got a Lord who goes with you. He says, I will show you the way through this. Sometimes we depend on our grandpa to know the way. Sometimes we depend on somebody else to know the way. And God often speaks through people. However he does it, one thing is certain. God will be with us through the dark periods of our life when we don't know what to do. So that was number one. Valleys are inevitable. They're going to happen. Number two, valleys are unpredictable. You can't plan them. You can't time them. You can't schedule them. Have you ever had a flat tire at a good time? Or you just say, praise God, this is a good time for a flat. (laughs) Every time I've had a flat, it's been like the worst of timing. There was one time comes to mind, I was drilling a well for mobile oil close to Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And uh, then I had to go over to another well near a little town called Elida, north of Estevan. And it's, it's, you know, probably five-hour drive in between there. And... That night, I was scheduled to speak at uh, a business meeting. Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship had a meeting that night, and I was the guest speaker. And I felt like I could swing it in between these two jobs. So I left Swift Current. I'm driving towards Weyburn. The meeting was at Weyburn. And when I was close to the town, I thought, you know, I better pull in and put it on my suit. So I got out of my jeans, put on my suit, and uh, drove down the road. And about five miles out of Weyburn, I could see the lights. It's dark, it's cold, and I get a flat tire. And I said, oh, great. I get out, and I'm debating. You know, do I take off 
my suit and put the jeans back on. It's cold out here, and I nah, I just change this tire of my suit. doesn't matter. I, I, I'll be careful. Well, you know what happens. The lug nuts don't come off, and you're slipping. Your knuckles get bloody. You get greasy. I took off my tie. I get this thing done. And finally, after a long time, you know how it is. You can't find the jack. Where is that jack? You're, it, it was... It was just one of those days where you feel like, God, is this a test? Like, what? Is this a test for my joy? I finally get the tire back on. By now, I look at my watch. You know, they're they're already started the meeting. I'm going to show up. It's going to be over. And I worked so hard to work this into my schedule. So I drive down the road. I pull into into this hotel and I go into the banquet room. There's 150 people there and. And Bob Davison, who is a friend of ours, we work with him in Haiti, he's giving a little testimony. And I was a scheduled speaker. And just before I arrived, they said, you know, the speaker's obviously not going to show up. This is before the days of cell phones, so I couldn't call ahead. Bob, why don't you just go ahead and speak? And a guy stood up and said, no, don't let him do that, because God just showed me in a vision that our speaker is about a few miles outside of town, and he's had a flat tire. He'll be here shortly. And that's called the word of knowledge, and it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we'll study that the first Wednesday of February. We start a course on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit and through the gifts, and uh, it was great that night that they, he stood up and said that. He was, he was very awkward saying it. He wasn't a man that would normally have this kind of an experience, but it was so overwhelming. He said, I've seen it clearly. I'm sure of it. And so the president said, well, okay, let's see what happens. And sure enough, not long after that, I walked in, and they said, oh, you had a flat, did you? I go, how did you guys know? I said, well, the Holy Spirit has showed us. And you know what that did for me? It was a dark moment, but he showed me the way that night because I was ready just to throw in the towel and to quit. But that one word from God will give you enough strength. He said, I have given you power that you might be a witness. And that one word at that moment gave me strength. And I knew what to do. I knew I should speak. No matter how tired I was, no matter how spent I felt, I felt like, man, I didn't pray enough for this. I should have read the Bible more. Sometimes when you go to do something, you feel like, I am never quite prepared enough. But if you give God what you have, he can use it. If you don't have anything to give him, you can take a million times zero, and it's still zero, right? God's math is not like our math. It's the upside-down kingdom. Its math doesn't work like our math. Some of you look at me like, okay, prove it to me. All right, I'll do that. Side note, okay, this is not in your notes, but if if you got your Bible, go to uh, Mark chapter 8. Or if you have your iPhone or your BlackBerry, your iPad, your blueberry, whatever you got, your gooseberry, whatever you got. See if you can find, look on with your neighbor and find Mark chapter 8. How many found Mark chapter 8? All right. Some of us have and some of us have. No worries. I'll read it. Mark chapter 8. This is a, I'm going to show you that God's math doesn't work like our math, okay? Mark chapter 8, verse 13. This is after the feeding of the 4,000. 4,000 men were fed plus their wives, or plus the women, and plus the children. So let's say about as many as could fill Rogers Arena. That's, ever gone to a Canuck game? That's how many they were feeding. So that event took place. That's a big job, right? If you've ever had a banquet or if you've ever put on a meal for 100 people, you know how much work it is. So think how much work it would be to feed everybody 
at the Rogers Arena. Big job, right? Okay, so now we're, that, that's over. Now we go to verse 13. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. They're going to the other side. God wants to get you to the other side. He wants to get you through the valley. He's going to get you through to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to get you through. I'm trying to help you this morning. God's going to get you through. Now, we're going to take a look at the way God works. He, he needs something in you. You have to give him something for him to work with. So he, they're going to the other side. And verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And what had they just fed? Bread to how many? Thousands. But now they forgot to bring bread. Have you ever done a lot of stuff? You put on an event or something, and after the event's all over, you didn't even eat? Have you ever done that? You're so busy serving. Ladies, you can probably relate to that. You're just so busy cooking that when it's all over, you didn't even eat anything. So now I'm hungry. Now I could eat. These disciples, they had done all this work, and now it's like, oh, yeah, I'm hungry. But they forgot to bring bread. But let's read on. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. One loaf, 12 disciples, and Jesus. One loaf. One old loaf in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And verse 16, they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because, now look at this, verse 16, something has happened. It's because we have no bread. They had one loaf, and now they have zero loaves. Something happened. I don't know what happened, but in my opinion, I think what they saw was, who put this old moldy loaf in here anyhow, and they chucked it out. Or maybe somebody snuck it and ate it and hoped none of the other disciples would see it. We don't know what happened, but they had one loaf and now they have zero loaves. So you get the picture. In the boat, hungry, and no loaves. But Jesus, aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Tough questions. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Their memory was kind of short because he goes on to say, when I broke five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? I had five loaves. How many baskets were left over? They said, 12. And then he said in verse 20, and when I broke the seven of the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you don't understand? There's no record of them ever eating here because they had no loaves. They had nothing to multiply with. But you know what? If they would have had one loaf, they would have had something. He was saying, you guys, don't you get it? When there was 5,000, there was 12 baskets left over. When there were 7,000, there was seven baskets left over. Now, just let's do the math for a bit. 7,000, you have seven baskets left. 5,000, you would think you would have less baskets left over, but you have more left over. 7,000 fed 4,000. Five loaves fed 5,000. You see, it's backwards. You think you need more loaves to feed more people, right? Isn't that the way our math would work? And you think you'd have less left over with less loaves, but this thing's all backwards. 
So if they had one loaf, one day I got out my old trigonometry. You remember the formula Y equals MX plus B, slope of the line, you know, that whole, remember that? Rise over run. So I thought, I'm going to plot this out. How many baskets would they have left over and how many could they have fed with one loaf if that was to be extended? And I calculated they could have fed 7,000 people and had 22 baskets left over with one loaf. God. See, if you're in the valley, if you're going through a hard time, you don't remember anything else this morning. Just remember this. Give God what you have to work with, and he can work with it. But if you don't give what you have, he says to the disciples, why are you so hard of understanding? I'm in your boat. You have the miracle worker with you. Just give me what you have, and it's enough. Yeah. I'm off track here. But anyhow... Let's go back to our notes and uh, try to see where this fit in. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are unpredictable. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the flat tire. You see, the, the deal was I didn't have much strength, just a little, but God gave me a sign that I'll be with you. So I just gave him the little strength that I had, and it was enough in that dark moment of my life when I was tired and just spent, God came along, gave me enough strength. And that night after I spoke, this man came up with an incurable disease. You would have given $1,000 to be there. You would rather have been there that night than at a Canucks game because you would have seen God heal somebody in front of you. And you go, wow, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I felt at my weakest Paul said, in my weakness, I'm made strong. It's just a matter of knowing that I am with him through the valley. Okay, so that uh, second point, valleys are unpredictable. In Matthew chapter 8, they're following Jesus. Jesus is in the boat, but suddenly a storm comes up. Out of nowhere, this storm comes up. So valleys in life and storms can just come up out of nowhere. Are you going to get some of those in 2012? Uh, I hate to tell you this, but yeah, you're going to get some of those in 2012. Again, Jesus is saying, just don't be discouraged. Don't freak out. I'm in the boat with you. If God's in the boat with you, you're going through to the other side. So number three, talking about valleys, valleys are impartial. The word is impartial. No one's immune to them. Everyone has problems, difficulties, disturbances, downtimes, depression. We go through that stuff. That doesn't mean you don't have your act together if you have a problem. Sometimes we kind of hide our problems. We don't want to even let anybody know we have a problem because if, if they see we have issues, they're like, oh boy, that person has their act together. They must be, you know, a bad person. That doesn't mean you're, it just means you're human. You're not a human doing, you're a human being. And as human beings, we will go through challenges. Jesus went through challenges, Jesus went through trials. And we'll go through this stuff in our life. So it's impartial. Jesus gives the illustration of Luke chapter 6, the guy who builds two types of houses, one built it on sand and one built it on the rock. Those who hear his ways and follow his ways build it on the rock. But guess what? Both got a storm. The one who stood standing was the one who built it God's way. This year, we're just saying, God, I want to build it your way because when the storm comes, it's going to blow, but I'm going to be standing after the storm. Yay. Number four, valleys are temporary. They don't last forever. Storms don't last forever. 
Valleys have an end to them. They don't last. They're not a permanent location. They're not a cave. You don't walk into it and stay there the rest of your life. It's, it's a valley. You will come out the other side. 1 Peter 1, 6 says, In this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, not forever, a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You're going to have different kinds of challenges this year. But God's going to show us a way through each and every one of them. The idea is to stay close to your shepherd. Don't wander away from the shepherd. Now, this is not very complimentary of us, to us. But Jesus calls us sheep. They are not the smartest animal on the farm, okay? They're not the brightest one in the bunch. But guess what? We're called sheep. We do best when we're together. We do best when we're close with the shepherd. Somebody once asked me, what's your job description, Pastor? I said, my job description is sheepdog. Really, that's what I am. I'm a sheepdog. I just run around trying to get people as close to Jesus as possible because if they're close to Jesus, they'll be okay. That's my job. I'm a sheepdog. That's it. I think I'll put that on my business card. <laughs> Take out senior pastor and just put sheepdog. and that'll... <laughs> Can we do that, Jen? Have they been printed yet? No? Okay. <laughs> we have new logos, so we get new business cards. So I think I'll put... Dave Coop, sheepdog. There you go. <laughs> That'd be a conversation starter, right? Huh? Look, look at this. What? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Our troubles are short-lived, and their outcome is an eternal glory which outweighs them all. I know when you're in a hard spot, I know it feels like it's never going to end. I know it feels like, God, when's the gray sky going to lift? But God's saying... It's, it's going to lift. Hang in there. Stay with me. You're, you're getting so much stronger in this season. Just stay with me. I'm walking with you. Because number five, valleys are purposeful. There's a reason for them. Last week, we talked out of Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. All things. Valleys work for good. Mountaintop experiences work for good. But valleys work for good. You, you build faith in the valleys. Shepherds feed their flock. Grass and still waters are in the valley. That's where we grow. God is a lot more interested in your character than he is your comfort. He's a lot more interested in your holiness than he is in your pleasures. And he purposes to fashion us. The disciples were, uh, when that windstorm came up, and they were on this boat and following Jesus. Jesus gets up, and you remember what happened? That, that windstorm came, the waves, and the, their boat looked like it was going to sink. Jesus was sleeping. He gets up, and what does Jesus rebuke? Does Jesus rebuke God the Father? God, stop causing this wind to come in and fill our boat. He doesn't rebuke the Father because it wasn't from God the Father. He rebuked the wind, and he rebuked the waves, and it was calm. God doesn't... God uses the valleys that we walk in. He's not the author of evil. He can't author evil. He can't author bad. He authors good. But he uses it to develop us and make us stronger. Our faith will be tested. Yeah. Okay. How do you find your way through the valley? We got to get through these last few points before our time runs out. Um, Number one, you need a guide. You need a guide to get through. Jesus is our guide. There was a, a Promise Keepers event a number of years ago, and the speaker did something really, really bold. I contemplated doing this, 
But I, wasn't, I didn't think I'd get a volunteer, so I didn't do it, and I couldn't find the necessary equipment to do this illustrated message. Because what the father did is he had, a, he had his son on one end of the stage. They blindfolded the son, and then he stood at the other end of the stage, and between him and the son, they put on the stage a number of bear traps, loaded. And so then... Bear traps, I mean, if you step in one, you, they'll, your leg is gone type thing. And so they had these set bear traps between the father and the son. And then they blindfolded him. And, I mean, everybody, you had everybody's attention. Nobody was texting. Nobody was sleeping. Everyone was like, oh, this is nuts. What are they doing? And so they're watching. And the father guides the son. Oh, step to your left, to your right. Remember we read earlier in Isaiah, you'll hear a still, quiet voice behind you. And so the father just guided him through, to your right, to your left. Come ahead. No, no, no. no. Back up a bit. Okay, come around, come around. There you go. And he guided him through all these traps to the other side. In a valley, it's dark. We don't know which way to go. But this is like Jesus said to Philip, I'm the way. Philip, just stick close to me, and I'll show you through. If you're in a dark place, a valley today, God says, stick close to me. I will walk you through those valleys. I'll take you to the other side. Uh, Yeah. Look at Psalm 23, verse 1. It's there in your notes. In the first couple verses of Psalm 23, David is talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. It's third-person pronoun. He's talking about God. But something happens in verse 4 when he talks about the valley. He goes to talking about, from about God to talking to God. Because in the valley, you don't want to just talk about God. You want to talk to God. The Lord is, here he says, you, he's talking to God directly. You lead me through this valley. You are my shepherd. You are with me. You need a relationship with God to go through the valley. You don't need a religion. You need a relationship. God, I know you're with me. It's like Moses last week. Your presence is with me. That's a great note for the study of Psalm 23. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, there's a verse that says, When you go through deep waters and great trouble, we go through deep waters and great trouble times in our life. He says, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulties, you will not drown. Ever feel like you're going to be drowning, maybe in debt, or drowning in a business deal, or drowning in a relationship? You're like, God, I'm drowning in this thing. God comes, you're not going to drown. I'm with you. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. That is good news. Yeah. Number two, uh, how do we walk through? What way? Very simply, keep walking. Don't give up. Psalm 23, verse 4, when, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Keep walking. Don't run. Don't panic. Just walk deliberately. Now, on the inside, you may be battling this battle of fear and pushing it back, but you're not being led by your senses. You're being led by faith. The just shall live by faith. Uh, The Bible also tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. It looks dark. It looks bad, but I'm going to keep walking. Sometimes we just want to curl up in a fetal position and just, you know, not get out of bed. I don't want to face the day. I just hope this all goes away. It's not going to go away like that. 
You're not going to get through like that. You have to keep walking. You can't put it in park and put on the e-brake in the middle of the valley and just say, I'm just going to stop here. No, you have to keep walking. And it may be just a little step, and the next day a little step, but you keep walking. It's, God, I don't know what to do. You just take one step at a time. God, show me more. And he just shows you one step. I keep walking. Although I walk, I will not quit. I will not give up. I keep walking. There's something about in the hard times, trusting God one step at a time. Look at Colossians 1 verse 11 where it says, God will give you strength. God will strengthen his own great power so you will not give up when trouble comes. Yeah, but you will be patient. Number three, rely on God's protection. To get through, you have to trust for God's protection. Isaiah 52, 12 says, but you don't have to be in a hurry. You're not running from anybody. God's leading you out of here. And the God of Israel is also your rear guard. He's got your back covered. You got the big guy in front of you. His presence is behind you, around you. He's going to watch over you as you walk through the valley. You may feel vulnerable. You may feel exposed. You may feel like everybody's looking at you. You may have all kinds of feelings. But God says, don't fear. Do not fear. I'm going to walk with you through this. Yeah. And you know, by the way, it says here, I'll walk through. David says, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say I'll walk through the valley of death. It's the shadow of death. Shadow. Shadows can't hurt you. If the shadow of the bus goes by you, ever stand on the corner here, you're going to cross the street and those buses go by? Man, they fly by you. You make sure you don't stand too close to the curb. You, you take a half a step back because the bus goes zoom right by you. And the shadow of the bus goes by you, but the shadow doesn't hurt you. But if you stepped out and hit the bus, or the bus hit you, that's a different story. But the shadow doesn't hurt you. He says, I walk through the shadow. Shadow is just, usually they're bigger than the actual thing. It appears to be bigger than it is. And often the troubles we're experiencing, or feel we're in, are not as big as we make them out to be. Fear is false expectations appearing real. Franklin D. Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. So it's a battle. Often in that valley, it's a battle of fear. And knowing that God will protect you will nullify those fears. He says, your rod protects me. That rod was basically a billy club. It was a stick with a knot on the end. And those shepherds, they knew how to, they knew how to throw that. They knew how to defeat an enemy that came after the sheep. And God is caring about you. God's a good dad. What kind of dad would allow their child to be beat up if they had all the strength and all the power to take care of it? No father would. And our Father takes care of us when we go through the valley uh, and helps us find the way through. Okay, number, the last one is stay plugged into God's house. Because this is where this chapter ends up. It ends up in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's something about being plugged into God's house and having family around you. So often we found in our lives we just had people around us to help us through those valleys. There was a, a year in our lives where I remember clearly because my father was injured in a harvest accident and he had broken his arm and it really uh, impeded us bring the harvest in. And I remember we prayed as a family and uh, shortly after that we saw our neighbors come. They were part of our church community. They were part of God's house. And they showed up, and the harvest came off in record time. And, oh, it was a dark time for our life. I was so grateful. Even as a child, I remember how glad I was that we had a church family around us. We need people around us when we go through hard times. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.